Mikey Goldenberg is general manager of Radio 1190 in Denver, Colorado. This next piece explores what college radio means to the students of this college station, broadcasting from the University of Colorado, Boulder. College radio is important to me because this is the place where I've found my people. I wanted to write you a song that would rightly express in three minutes or less. This is College Radio Day 2015, supporting the best in independent culture and music across the land. Show your support at collegeradioday.com. Hi, I'm Joe Paris from Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder from the University of Colorado, and I love College Radio Day. College Radio is important to me because it's really where I found a lot of my friends and I was able to be a part of a community of people who are interested in art and interested in creating things. So college radio was much more than the music to me. It was the music, but also just a community of people who appreciated creativity in general. College radio, I believe, sits in this really interesting and empowered area of the music world, meaning we promote local music, and at the same time, we're working with promoters and labels of all different shapes and sizes to push the music that the college radio audience wants to hear. Uh, I believe college radio is keeping music as a whole pretty relevant to individuals looking for different genres and to really find a space or a place where they can connect and find the music that they're looking for. College radio has exposed me to different types of music that I never ever would have experienced anywhere else in the world. I look at college radio as the curators of independent culture, not just the music that we play and the shows that we promote, but fashion, art, film, food. It all plays into this independent culture, this independent thought that thrives in our communities. College Radio Day is great. It gets to spotlight and recognize the hard work of all the students across the country that are passionate about radio, whether it's the music or the news side or everything in between. Uh, I think College Radio Day is an appropriate quasi-holiday to celebrate all the awesome things that College Radio does across the universe. Without College Radio, you wouldn't have a platform for a lot of artists and musicians to come through, to showcase, to interview, to perform live to really affect a community audience and gain grassroots listenership, uh, connect to individuals looking for that style of music. And college radio is the one that provides that. We are the ones that give a steady platform for musicians and for artists to come through and really showcase what it is that they spend their life doing. College radio is about three things, community, education, and music. College Radio Day, October 2nd, 2015. Show your support at collegeradioday.com. Check unheard messages. Hello, this is Claudio from Coheed and Cambria, and we support College Radio and College Radio Day. This is Jenny from Bad Cop, Bad Cop. I support College Radio Day. Hey, this is Trevor Sternat from the Black Dahlia Murder here, and I support College Radio. This is Lindby, and we support College Radio Day. Hi, I'm Taylor Goldsmith, and I support College Radio. Welcome back to the White House. The national student loan debt has swelled to $1.2 trillion this year, more than a national credit card debt, which is $890.9 billion. 
Michelle Martinez reports. The group met with Cecilia Munoz, assistant to the president and director of the Domestic Policy Council, and James Caval, deputy director of the White House Domestic Policy Council, to discuss the topic of college affordability. This is an area of, has been an area of intense focus from the administration from the day that we got here. Um, and in particular, the president is really very personally engaged in the question of making sure that we provide at least some level of higher education to everybody in this country. And the, the best example of that is his recent proposal to make community college free for two years. The premise behind that proposal is that a century, century ago, education stopped well before what we now consider to be high school. And there was a social movement which succeeded in making high school universal and free. And as a result, we had the best educated workforce, in the, in, in, which is how we led the world economically in the 20th century. His argument is that in order, if we're going to do the same in the 21st century, that, that everybody's going to need some level of training beyond high school. Um, so that is one of, um, of a lot of examples of, uh, of work that we're doing in this space. But we're trying to work it, frankly, from a, from a number of angles. So we have a bunch of proposals that are um, focused on, and actually initiatives, things which folks can actually participate in now that are focused on making college debt affordable, which is something that we know people worry about a lot, which and I'll ask um, James to explain the details. Um, and we're, but we're also focusing on college access, making sure that we maximize the number of students who aspire to going to, to some d degree of uh, education beyond high school, that we give them tools to help them explore what their options are, um, to help them uh, make sure that it's affordable, but that we also provide tools that are helping hold the higher education sector accountable for effectively what they are uh, producing. Um, hi, I'm Lauren. I'm from Cuyahoga Community College. Um, at the community college, I, there are a lot of um, non-traditional students, uh -huh. the students that are over 26. Um, a lot of them are coming back to school at 40, 50 years old and only able to take night classes and go part-time. Mm -hmm. There is very little to no aid for anybody that goes part-time. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that could happen to be able to more support people that are going for part-time classes as well? It's an important question. And I think you know students who are going to school part-time should consider trying to get up to half-time at least so that they can qualify for Pell Grants and some of these other forms of financial aid. and. You know, what we see, looking at the numbers, everyone's story is different, but looking at the numbers, people that are on a trajectory to get their degree over six, eight, or ten years often have a hard time ultimately getting there. Just something over the course of that period of time tends to knock them off track. So, you know, if it is possible to pick up an extra class and qualify for financial aid, you know, that's something that's definitely worth considering. Joel Carasquillo, WPSC-FM Brave New Radio. The Obama administration has stated that starting of October of next year, college students will be able to file their FAFSA instead of the typical January start date, and that they'll be able to be more eligible for the Pell Grants. So would Pell Grants be on a base of need, or would it be on a first-come, first-served basis when they file their FAFSA? We think that moving up the application deadline is going to make this process a lot easier for families and for colleges and give students more time to make good college choices because they will know how much financial aid they're eligible for and that will help them understand uh, they have no way of knowing now how much a college is actually going to cost them. 
Um, so we think that is very important. We're not proposing um, additional changes in how we would allocate uh, Pell Grants other than uh, the President's request, which he's made every year for additional funding for that program. And still to come, the big finale with Press Secretary Josh Ernest as we asked him about the importance of college radio. This is, this is, this is Bulls Radio, Florida's number one college radio station. Wishing you a happy college radio day. Hear us live on BullsRadio.org. In Chicago, at WXAV 88.3 FM, Peter Creighton welcomes singer-songwriter William Elliott Whitmore into the studio for a chat, including his thoughts on the importance of college radio. Well, I was driving down the road just minding my own When Johnny Law pulled up from behind He walked up to my window and said, roll it down And let me see what I can find I said, no way, what's mine is mine I'd appreciate it if you'd leave me be Said I'll leave you be alright in a cell all night. I'll lock you up and throw away the key. My name is Pete. I am so excited because right now we have the man of the hour, the one and only William Elliot Whitmore. William, welcome to WXAV. Pete, it is my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks oh. for letting me come in here, man. You've been so nice and you should see this. They gave me waters to drink and uh, just been so nice up here. I well, appreciate it. You're our guest, man. We got it. We got to take care of you and make sure that you're all taken care of in that. But um, I would like to pick your brain for a moment. College radio. I don't know if you're aware, but you know, there's a lot of universities selling off college radio stations to kind of help pay the bills, or they don't see the need for for college radio stations at all. I'm just kind of curious. You know, what, what's your views on uh, on college radio and how does it help you and get your music out there in, in that? I think college radio stations are one of the most important things um, an institution of learning can even have. I mean, here I am, here we are talking. I mean, I never yeah. would have met you otherwise. That's and right. Maybe, yeah. I mean, if there's like 10 or 15 people listening, you know, that'll be cool. Uh, I can kind of guarantee there's more than 15. I like, Well, like 25 yeah. <laughs> people. No, but but uh, seriously, though, and broader than that, I mean, what a way to get, to get music out there. And, mm -hmm. and artists like myself that just... I'll never be on mainstream radio. I just won't be. I just, I don't have the sound that fits into any category that could ever be on any major radio station. But what's more important is these, these stations like this one where you can get guys like me out there and, and you know, hundreds and thousands of other struggling folks that are trying to do this thing. These stations help, help us do that. And, um, and, you know, growing up, I, you know, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, but if I went a little bit North, I could get the, uh, Iowa city, there was a college town called Iowa City, and they had a great station, mm -hmm. still do. And now you could hear you could hear different stuff on there and hear different bands you wouldn't have uh, been aware of otherwise. And of course, that was pre-internet, where you you know that was how you found out about bands and stuff. You had to really dig. Yeah. And so I was so thankful for that. And so I, th I think it's just, it's a shame when um, these stations go by the wayside, because yeah, I mean, how else are you going to hear a lot of this music? Yeah, I mean, I always tell people that it's like a way to find your new favorite band. I mean, yeah, I actually man. heard about you through another DJ here at the radio station. So, oh, I mean, that's, that's cool. And, and that's what I need. I need that word of mouth. I need that. I need, you know, I need all the help I can get because, uh, like I said, a guy like me, I'll just, I'll just never be on that those big stations. I mean, I shouldn't say never, but I can probably safely say that uh, 
you know, whatever. I don't even care. I'd rather do this all day long, man. I, yeah. I, I, like, I like these college stations, man. Awesome. And I think they have a very important uh, role to play. Thank you so much for, for coming in today. We really appreciate it. No problem at all. Yeah. You know, things have to end or else, or else they're not special. Thank you again, William Elliott Whitmore. Thanks to Peter at WXAV for that interview. Check unheard messages. Hey guys, this is Avicii, and I support College Radio Day. Hey, we're the Static Jacks, and we support College Radio Day. Hi, we're Lucius, and we support College Radio Day. Hey, this is Jake from Strung Out, and I support College Radio Day. Hi, I'm Hannah from Rocket Moth, and I support College Radio Day. Next message. This is Nacho Picasso, and I love College Radio. Hello to you people out there. This is Elise Chris Perry. I love College Radio. Live radio. From a media of power, energy, source of magic, source of miracle, from the pinnacle of the high sky. Hello, this is Jeremiah Face of Lumineers, and I'd like to welcome you to College Radio Day. This simulcast is being made possible by the support of the following organizations. College Broadcasters Incorporated, Hindenburg Systems, Intercollegiate Broadcasting System, Emissions Analytics, KCWU 88.1 FM, Washington, Radio 1190, Denver Boulder, Radio Inc. Magazine, Real World, Spinatron, Sunflower Suites, The Telos Alliance, WSOU 89.5 FM in New Jersey, USA News Network, Zip Whip. You are listening to College Radio Day. It's time we all come together. It's time for College Radio Day. The day when college radio stations in North America come together to celebrate the medium of college radio. One of the most popular metalcore bands of all time, Killswitch Engage, have been touring across the USA this year. Killswitch Engage have sold over 4 million records in the USA alone. WSOU's Mike McKenna caught up with them earlier this year to find out how life on the road is for the band. This is Mike, you're listening to SOU, and I'm here with, also Mike, Mike D from Killswitch Engage. How's it going, man? Hey, very good. Very good. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, how's the tour been so far? You guys about halfway there, about halfway through? We're close to halfway. It's yeah. been awesome. We toured with Rise Against. Uh, we did a uh, Taste of Chaos worldwide version uh, 10 years ago with those guys and The Used and a bunch of other bands, and they were like the nicest guys ever. We hung out with them a bunch. We went and saw Zoos. In Australia, we went to vegetarian restaurants in Japan, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. And I'm I'm so glad that we got to tour with them again. They asked us out this time. Uh, awesome. Really, really great guys to get along with. Let Live is amazing dudes too. They brought a pug, so you know they won my heart because I'm a, a super pug fanatic. They brought the pug on tour? They did. It, uh, her name is Waffle. Nice. It's a little black pug, runs around everywhere, the nicest thing ever. It's always good to have a change of atmosphere with a little puppy running around. It just uh, brings you out of your atmosphere, you know? So you guys uh, debuted a brand new song during this tour, Strength of the Mind. And can you tell me a little about that? Maybe the writing process that went into that? or Sure. Um, was about one? We have a lot of songs completed instrumentally for the new record, but uh, Jesse really only was able to complete five of them. And uh, Strength of the Mind is one of the five, the one that we felt like we could pull off the best live. Uh, so we started playing that one. We just want to start pumping out this new record and getting people excited about it. So we figured, 
what better way than start playing the new material. Uh, we've been doing Loyalty as well from the Game of Thrones soundtrack. That was uh, are you going pretty well. We are. Uh, Jesse's having a little bit of vocal trouble lately, so he doesn't know if he could pull off all the notes. So I think we're laying off that one tonight. Okay. Uh, but normally, that's a really fun one to play. Uh, Strength oh, of Mind is, is super fun. It was a, you know, everyone in, in, in Killswitch writes. Uh, Strength of the Mind material was written by Adam, and uh, all the lyrics are written by Jesse. But uh, yeah. Sweet. Uh, I saw on uh, actually Jesse's Instagram that you guys uh, were hanging out with Lou Kohler from uh, Sick of It All. Pretty awesome. The other day, yeah. Uh, would you say that hardcore is like influence on Killswitch and particularly maybe Sick of It All? Or? I would say 90% uh, of Killswitch are all old hardcore kids who uh, went into metal instead. But um, yeah, Lou from Sick of It All is a hero of all of ours in the band and super nice guy. We've met him a few times. We did a, a few festivals here and there with those guys. and been some of the nicest dudes ever. Um, Lou turned 50 the other day, if you can believe that. He looks like wow. he's like he looks 30. Like he's 25. Yeah, <laughs> he looks great for his age. So that's something to aspire to, to look like Lou when I get to be 50. Still rocking the converse 50. I like yeah, that. Um, <laughs> I like that. Hardcore is a huge influence. That, that's all I listen to, to gain motivation to write material is uh, Bad Brains, Leeway, mm -hmm. Cro-Mags, Madball, Agnostic Front, stuff like that. I love New York hardcore, it's my favorite. Is there any band in particular that Killswitch hasn't toured with that you would, you guys really like to? Metallica, please take us out. Please. You, <laughs> please, heard, you heard it please. here. You heard it here. James Hetfield, you heard it here. Right. We, we, did, we did a festival with those guys in Australia, so it's we sort of played with them sort on, of, on a tour, but not really. And yeah. um, they, they threw a party at the beginning of that tour, and uh, I didn't go, but everyone else said they were the nicest guys ever. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? Um, well, I just appreciate the interview. I love SOU whenever we're around. Oh, we'll throw you. SOU on. You guys are one of the true metal stations still. And it's awesome. I've been interviewed by you guys so many years, and I'm glad it's still going strong. So thank awesome. you well, thank much. you. Thank you for saying so. That's awesome. Thanks to Mike McKenna and WSOU for providing that interview for this simulcast. Welcome back to the White House. We're proud to present the big finale with Press Secretary Josh Ernest as we asked him about the importance of college radio. Going into the press briefing room was kind of surreal. Then we were able to go behind the scenes and walk near the Oval Office into the Roosevelt Room, where we couldn't take any pictures. There we met with Josh Ernest, assistant to the president and press secretary, for a lively discussion on the role of the media and the importance of college radio. Chris Ulrich, 98.5 WNUW at Newman University. Um, with the upcoming election, how could we use such media outlets as College Radio Day to further student involvement with the elections, getting them out to vote, things of that nature? Well, let me start by putting in a plug for a new website that we recently rolled out. It's available at vote.usa.gov. Uh, and this is a place where uh, anyone in any of the 50 states can go and find out how to register to vote in their state. And, you know, obviously, you know, we believe that you know, regardless of which political party you support, that participation in elections is an important part of our democracy. And it's an important part of, uh, your, of everyone's responsibility as a citizen. Uh, and so we certainly want to encourage people to vote and people can go register at vote.usa.gov. Separate from that, I think it's uh, important that, that institutions like college radio stations uh, are doing a good job of educating their listeners about issues they care about. And so I certainly compliment all of you on uh, your work to cover these issues, uh, to uh, help 
college students get access to information that has an impact on their lives and an impact on their future. I'm Nicole Mayer. I'm from Central Washington University. Hi, um, hi. Uh, I'm not a student, but my questions come from the students from KCWU FM at okay. Central Washington. Um, so something that's happening with college radio stations across the country is that the administrations aren't finding the relevancy of college radio stations to exist. So they're leasing out their FCC licenses to maybe an NPR station or another public radio station. and not making those available to, to college students as a training ground anymore. Even at KCWU, our students have fought for the past couple of years to just keep the radio station funded, uh, and they've done a great job with doing that. And so their question is, they want to know how important it is to the, uh, the administration to have these kinds of institutions, the college radio stations, how important it is to keep the, them funded and what you might do to maybe keep them going? Uh, that's a really good question. I think probably, you guys could speak to this better than I could, I think, but I think probably since the advent of college radio, there's been a little t tension and friction between a lot of college radio stations and the administrations at the universities where they're located. Uh, that's a good thing. That you want to you want to give students an outlet like that, and that they're some of the most successful college radio stations in the country are radio stations that do a good job of being really an important focal point of student life on campus, uh, and that they're carrying content that students are interested in. They serve as a resource for students to communicate uh, with their uh, uh, with their fellow classmates and colleagues, uh, and you know, that can make uh, college radio stations very powerful institutions and. So I, in a lot of ways, I think students, by investing their own time and skill and talent into the success of radio stations, can sort of prove their worth uh, to an administration. And um, I, I think what I would do as students, and I think that if I were a student, I think the case that I would make to uh, the administration, they should embrace the opportunity to have an independent outlet on campus that is a, a focal point of a student life. And uh, you know, having that kind of outlet is uh, makes for a much richer student experience for everybody, even those that aren't in the uh, broadcast journalism uh, program. And uh, so, I think that's a, a, a pretty persuasive case to make. I do think it may. Your question also goes back to uh, the question that was raised earlier about um, some institutions of higher learning having to make cuts. Uh, because they're not getting the necessary investment either at the state level uh, or they're having to uh, compete with an environment where costs are rising pretty rapidly. And, um, you know, adequate funding for education is, uh, is and will continue to be a top priority uh, of this president. And whether that is financial aid for students uh, or, um, you know, funding for institutions of higher learning, uh, the president's made those a priority. And the reason is simply that uh, the president understands that a, a college education has never been more important uh, to a middle-class family or a middle-class student uh, than it is today. After our lively interview with Josh Ernest, we walked outside of the West Wing to be presented with a letter from President Obama concerning the importance of college radio. Overall, the trip was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I never thought I'd be able to say I went inside the White House. And it was awesome. And maybe will be invited back in the future. This is Michelle Martinez for WPSC 88.7 FM, Brave New Radio. 
You are listening to College Radio Day. The Police were an English rock band formed in London in 1977. They disbanded in 1986, but reunited in early 2007 for a hugely successful one-off world tour that ended in August 2008. The Police have sold over 75 million records, making them one of the world's best-selling artists of all time, and in 2003 were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. College Radio Day's Rob Quick interviewed drummer Stuart Copeland and found out that his career began in College Radio. Listen now to our keynote interview for College Radio Day 2015. Stuart Copeland. Absolutely delighted to have on the other end of the line Stuart Copeland. Uh, Stuart, how are you today, sir? Excellent. I'm in California, so it's pretty hard not to be excellent. If we can talk about the early days for a little bit, um, when you look back to those early days, and uh, you know the first album, and obviously your first uh, tour to America when you played CBGB's, obviously 1978. It was during that time that obviously some college radio stations in America were, were playing the Police massively before you caught on in the mainstream. What are your memories of of that first tour in America? Obviously being an American, you, it wouldn't have been as unfamiliar to you as Sting and Andy, but what are your memories of that first tour? Well, I was an ex-college jock myself at UC Berkeley, uh, K-A-L-X, and I was the, uh, the, the, the boss, the, the English jock. In fact, I played the, uh, I was the boss jock that played the boss tunes that my boss told me to play for you, uh, which was my gag at the time. It was funny 40 years ago. <laughs> so hang on, so you were a college radio jock? Oh, Absolutely. I've done every job in show business. I've been a roadie. I've been a drummer. <laughs> I've, I've even been a singer, for God's sake. I've done pretty much every job in rock music. So your time on KLX uh, Berkeley then, did that? Uh, how was that time for you? Could you? Do you remember those days? I do indeed. I discovered Bob Marley and the, mm. and the Whalers and, and reggae in general from that. You know, I, I would get the radio, you know, uh, I don't know if it's still like that, but in those days, every radio station across the land made its own decisions about what it would play. So you could go and persuade that radio station to play your record by talking to the guy, usually by giving him some drugs or money and persuade him, or maybe even he liked the record and would play it. Uh, nowadays, the decisions are made centrally out of New York, and then one decision is made, and then 700 stations play it. But in those days, you could go to each individual radio station and persuade them. And so I was the college guy at the college radio station that they came to persuade. Uh, and I, I, I think I got one free dinner. Was, was the, that's the power. We were only a 10-watt station, so I only rated about one free dinner worth of, air, you know, to give them the <laughs> airplay they wanted. But I did get a lot of free records and amongst them was Bob Marley and the Whalers and I was the first kid on my block to discover that stuff okay so a couple of questions I want to ask you about the police if I may and I you know doing my research I found out that um, it almost has an element of the supernatural what I'm about to ask you so are you ready for this okay Okay, so, so according to Sting's book, Broken Music, when he finally met up with you in London and actually finally jammed with you for the first time, he called you from a phone box unwittingly, completely coincidentally on your street. And you said, oh yeah, I'm just here, come on up. And secondly, in Andy Summers' recent documentary... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What was Gordon Sumner doing on a street in, Bel in, uh, in Mayfair, yep. 1976? Apparently he came to look you up. He, he found oh, a phone box right. in Mayfair, and apparently it was just by sheer coincidence he picked the street you were on. Similarly, Andy Summers in his documentary, uh, I Can't Stand Losing You, just came out, 
says that he went for a jam with you and then he went to London and you got off the same train to London together, bumped into each other. And yeah. like actually, the- it was a tube. We got off the same same tube in Leicester Square, I think. So both incidents genuinely happened. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you write a book about it, you find these little things that happen and turn them into events of great significance. But yeah, sure, they happen. It, it is true that I, I, you know, Andy and I were getting off the tube and, hey, hey, how you doing? And we had just been working with Michael Hallett. We'd, uh, we'd done some dates in France and it was hail and well met. I, I met. I think we hadn't seen each other for a while. And it's a story I love to tell and Andy hates for me to tell. But I, it's, I only tell it because I love Andy so much. He pulls me into a cafe and says, hey, Stuart, you and that bass player, I think you got something, but you need me in the band, and I accept. <laughs> That's really what happened. I swear as God <laughs> is my witness. That's what he said. And, that, and the thing is that that's who he is. He's yeah. a pushy little guy. And when he joined the band, we really, that, that, that confident energy, that forthrightness, that in-your-faceness was exactly what we needed. And that's really when the police began when Andy told me that he, we didn't discover Andy, he discovered us. And that's when the police really began. When you look back now to the reunion tour 2007, 2008, you know, uh, several years have passed now since that happened. Um, what are your thoughts on it looking back? Oh, it was brilliant. You know, I'm sure one of us was expecting it to be hell on earth, but I sure wasn't. I was expecting to get back with the buddies who made me who I am. You know, all my cool stuff that I've come up with since. A, a big part of it comes from what I learned from those two guys. And so I thought when we got back together, it was going to be just that old glove that fits perfectly. And we just slid into that slot, you know, cause when we left, we were in the slot. When we broke up, we were absolutely in our prime. We were in each other's pockets. We knew each other's nuances. No matter what Andy did, I knew where he was going to go next. And how about this? And I could throw him a curved ball and he'd pick it up, laugh, and then do something incredible. That's how we, that's the pocket that we were in. So I assumed he would go right back into that pocket. But there's this little thing called 30 years going by, Mm. and we had all grown into different musicians. We didn't fit together anymore. It was tough. We had to really ouch and scramble and and, and squish and push and pull so that we fit together and so that we could even stand making music together. I suppose the question I really want to ask you is, was there ever any discussion or experimentation about creating new music, about, hey, could we perhaps record new songs or do a new album? Oh, yeah, of course, everybody around us had uh, you know there's a, a, a uniform vision of everybody who wasn't the three of us you know record company <laughs> uh, everybody 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 the, the the catering lady had all had the same brilliant idea shouldn't they be recording new material only problem was we didn't have any new material to record i think that sting who's one of the most prolific writing geniuses of our time the minute he got into a room with andy and i just shriveled right up and I'm sad to say this, folks, and I know I hope this isn't too disappointing for you, but the police is a place where my talent goes to die. And I have to subjugate myself into police world, and it gets weird. And as soon as we're on stage, it comes to life. But everything that isn't on stage with the police just is not where any of the three of us want to be. And so I'm sure that Sting trying, you know, he, you know, sure it's a good idea. Okay, song, song. And he picks up his guitar or his lute and he's trying to get a song. God, but then Stuart's going to, oh my God. And then, and I could, I, I, I can picture the scene and my heart goes to him because the minute the tour was over, 
he wrote a musical. Bang, like that. His talent came right back. And as soon as the tour was over, I wrote a 90-minute, you know, concerto. And, you know, just I've been writing orchestra. It's exploding with creativity the minute we're out of there. But, you know, that sounds kind of weird, but the, it's strange. But when the three of us get on that stage in front of an audience that is responding to those songs, that's where the police exists today. Well, Stuart, thank you so much for joining us on World College Radio Day. It's been a treat. Well, a treat for me, too. For the full interview with Stuart Copeland, please go to collegeradio.org. Thanks to all the participating stations who helped make this simulcast possible. For more information about College Radio Day and the College Radio Foundation, a national nonprofit charity dedicated to supporting college radio in the USA, please visit collegeradio.org. I'm Len O'Kelly, and for the board of directors of College Radio Day, long live college radio.